This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Your war room for insider news and draft analysis from deep within the confines of Cowboys headquarters at the Star in Frisco. The Dallas Cowboys select TD Lamb. Oh, and now, your hosts, Dane Brugler, Jeff Cavanaugh, Kevin Turner, and Kyle Yeomans. We are just 63 days away from the NFL draft in Cleveland, Ohio, as it is time now for the DallasCowboys.com draft show, presented by Miller Lite, as always, from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star in Frisco. Glad you're with us. Kyle Yeomans, Jeff Cavanaugh, we've got Dane Brugler from The Athletic, and Kevin KT Turner ready to break down some guys. We're going to talk a lot of defensive line, answer a ton of Twitter on the 20 questions coming up here in the next 20 minutes or so because, well, there's a lot of them. I mean, I put out a t- question last night, a tweet real quickly about it, and we had over 40 questions asked. So we've got to hit a bunch of those today and maybe even more next week. We'll have to just kind of carry them over day by day. But glad you're with us. Chris being back in the studio as always running things. And, Dane, you had some wide receivers that you wanted to talk about. You just put it out, your top 20 wide receivers on The Athletic. Highly encourage you guys to talk about that. But KT and Jeff, are we really looking at wide receivers whenever it comes to the Cowboys? Is that a realistic need, or is this something that may just be kind of a late-round thing whenever you have 10-plus draft picks? They could pick one. I mean, I guess that question could go two different ways. I wouldn't be opposed to picking one at number 10 if you think he's the best player available, and then Mm. you just make your roster work from there. But I bet realistically for the Cowboys, you know, you still have Noah Brown and Cedric Wilson, but teams pick wide receivers, and I could pick one to just have him on standby and maybe to make the roster and maybe to be a, a next year factor on the roster. So... They can definitely use a pick on a wide receiver. I'd be really surprised if it was early. Yeah, I actually, I think it's kind of foolish to, A, think that Mike, Michael Gallup will be here long term, yeah. um, and B, and not, not because of anything Michael's done, it's just if money goes to Dak like it might, then yeah, Michael Gallup's probably not going to be signing an extension. And B, I think it's foolish to be like, well, Amari Cooper is a beacon of health. So, I mean, honestly, if you're sitting there at 10 and Kyle Pitts is there, you probably consider it. And I know everyone's maybe going to freak out about that, but you consider it. If you're going to talk wide receiver, you might as well do it with Kyle Pitts, the tight end wide receiver at 10. But day three, I know there's a lot of people who want to go all defense on the draft, and I'm not opposed to that. But if there's someone you like there on day three, as wide receivers in this draft keep falling and falling and falling, uh, because the depth of that position is outstanding, as Dane's list can attest to, and as I think our rankings will attest to, I have nothing wrong with taking a wide receiver in this year's draft. In fact, I think it's a wise thing to do. Dane, do you think it could be something there? Yeah, no, to KT's point, that's this wide receiver class is so unique because it's. There's so the volume of talent at the position is just so impressive, and it's been that's saying something compared uh, to last year's group when we set a record for the most draft picks at the position in the first two rounds. But I think this year we could have more draft picks in the top 100 picks uh, at wide receiver than we did last year. Uh, So uh, you know, and and if we don't, that means there's going to be some pretty darn good receivers available into day three, which you know there's going to be some teams, maybe the Cowboys included 
who could be sitting tight and saying, all right, let's, uh, you know, let's see who falls to us. And if one of these guys, whether that's uh, you know, a, a Josh Palmer from Tennessee or uh, you know, Frank Darby from uh, Arizona State, one of these really talented receivers that in most years is going in the first three rounds, if they're available in the fourth or fifth, uh, the value might be too good to pass up. It's pretty impressive. I mean, back-to-back years like we've had with these wide receivers in total because, I mean, in the past, you, you look at the wide receiver group, it's always been strong. But even 2021, you look at those top three receivers, CeeDee Lamb, uh, then you follow that up with Henry Ruggs and, of course, uh, Jerry Judy. Now you move on and you have kind of that big three again. And that's what we kind of want to talk about initially is Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, and Devontae Smith, of course, the Heisman winner out of Alabama. I mean, there are plenty of wide receivers there up at the top of the draft. But, Dane, you just mentioned it. I mean, it might be just as deep of a draft as we've seen at the position ever. And that's impressive to me in its own right, just based off of the fact that, well, uh, you haven't necessarily seen that from a position like the wide receiver group in the past. Yeah, and honestly, this might be the new norm uh, for the position. Uh, when you factor wow. in, uh, you know, how how colleges uh, college offenses are uh, evolving, you know, we're seeing a lot more, it's just a lot of spread, a lot of wide open, a lot of just let your quarterback get the ball to athletes on the perimeter. Uh, you know, you're looking for matchups, you're looking for explosive plays. Uh, who's going to make that happen? It's the receivers. And so uh, as, you know, NFL offense, offenses start to really, really mirror that, it, we're going to see a lot of turnover at the receiver position these, these next few years. And it's going to be a very crowded group. And it's going to make it for some really interesting evaluations because we have to go even further in depth on these guys to really, you know, uh, determine, you know, okay, what's the, how do these guys stack up? And it's tough. I, I had a, I had a tough time doing the, this top twenty. Um, you know, it's, I feel good about my top three, and then I feel good about four, and then that's where it starts to get really. Uh, you know about preference and you know you're splitting hairs on some of these guys you know what can you 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 really have to start focusing on not what they can't do but what they can do and how does that impact your game at the game at the next level and who can impact it greater or maybe who's more polished who's got a uh, you know it's a ceiling uh, versus floor argument so there's so many different ways you can look at these receivers I don't expect everybody to uh, agree with one through 20 I think everybody you know team to team evaluator to evaluator they're going to have their own order and it's going to differ Um, so it's just a really interesting exercise to try to stack all these guys Katie you mentioned Kyle Pitts and I I think certainly he's one of the most talented, if not the most talented position player in the draft outside of quarterback. And I mean, whenever you, we talked about the top three receivers like a Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith and a Jalen Waddell, where does Kyle Pitts rank among those three? And is uh, is there a chance that any of those three guys, if they're there at 10, because chances are there will be one of those three at 10, that the Cowboys at least look that direction. But uh, is that still even a realistic possibility with the needs they have on defense? I mean, I still would have, personally, I mean, Kyle Pitts is such a matchup maker. It almost matters what, what you have on your team. And I know, like, I, I should give, like, a salacious answer that he would be my number one wide receiver, but he would not be. For me, though, my list is a little different than Dane's a little bit. I mean, I said the top three guys, but I still have Devontae Smith as my number one wide receiver. Um, and then Chase and then Waddle. And love them all. Um, I would probably be Smith, Chase, Waddle. And then Kyle Pitts. 
depending on what you're asking me to do, though. You know, it's just, it's just a little different what you have on your roster. Because I, I do think supplementing what you have is important. I think if you have the same types of wide receivers, that's fine. But I think it's a, a lot more dangerous if you have a home run threat, uh, a, a clear separator, a physical guy, and you can have them all and piece them together. You know, that's that's where I kind of look. So from a Cowboys perspective, you know, we know C.D. Lamb can kind of do it all. You know Amari Cooper's kind of your separator guy. We know Michael Gallup's kind of your physical and deep ball type of threat most of the time. Um, and that's not saying that none of these guys can't do some of those other things. You know, how does Kyle Pitts fit into that? Uh, they, they don't need that right now. Looks good next year, though, doesn't it, if Michael Gallup is gone? So that's where things kind of changed for me. So I would still have those three wide receivers over Pitts um, just for, like, that if you're drafting a wide receiver. but Because if I'm drafting Kyle Pitts, I'm using him as a tight end as well. I will put him in line every now and then just to throw off formations and things like that. Dane, why do you have Devontae Smith third on that list behind his teammate, Jalen Waddell, and then, of course, Jamar Chase, who was your number one wide receiver? Because... I mean, of course, the historic season that Devontae Smith ended up having, you're still not necessarily convinced he could translate to the to the next level, at least better than those two guys? No, I mean, I, I wouldn't phrase it like that because, I mean, I'm, okay. I'm convinced he'll be fine at the next level. It's just you've you got to separate these guys somehow. And, you know, I to me, Jamar Chase, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people, not a lot of people, some people, um, are you know just they they've kind of forgotten how dominant he was last year. Um, you know he's he's not six four. He's more like six foot. He's not a four three athlete. He's more of a you know four four eight type of athlete. Um, but his his ability to get open, his uh, ball skills down the field are just you know it, it's Larry Fitzgerald esque. And uh, to me, I, with what he did last year, uh, that that just sold me. Um, he, he's the top receiver in this draft in my opinion. Uh, and then it comes to the Alabama guys. And this is, it, it gets difficult because Devontae Smith, I mean, how do you look at what he did this year and not be impressed? And, and you know, I think it will translate to the next level. Um, the 175 pounds, does it, does it scare me? Yeah, sure. I, I think you'd be, you know, you, you can't just look at his career and say, oh, well, he stayed healthy, so he'll be healthy his entire NFL career. That's not really how it works. Yeah, he's avoided injury to this point, and that's great. And I, hopefully he does, uh, and he continues to be healthy. But at 170, 175 pounds, it's just tougher. It's tougher to stay healthy when you're, you know, bigger guys are hitting you at, at uh, you know, uh, much faster speeds. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, uh, Jalen Waddle, his continued maturation as a route runner and as being more than just an athlete, um, he's his his ability to create those big plays, four plays at 75 plus yards the last two years. That ability to create big plays is kind of what gave him the edge over Devontae Smith for me. But again, Devontae, I mean, these guys are so close. I mean, it's not like there's a gap between these two players. Um, I think both uh, are, are worthy of top ten consideration. Jeff, where do you have those top three guys ranked with Chase, Smith, and Waddle? And, and even if you wanted to throw Kyle Pitts in there as well. Oh, man, I'm um. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm a coward when it comes to all of those guys at the moment because I think they're all monsters. But I did know, I came into today wanting to fight Dane, and so I'm excited to have my first opening here because I hate I hate the weight thing. Like, it's been, I've seen a study on it from Football Outsiders where people who are lighter at any given position group do not get hurt more than people who are heavier. 
the little guys don't get hurt more often than the big guys. It's never it, it's not borne out in in actual injuries and data. I think that's just something we look at them and we assume like, oh man, it's really going to hurt when that big guy hurt hits you. And it's like it's never been borne out to be factual in the NFL. So like, weight won't bother me unless it functionally affects you on the football field. So like the Smith weight thing doesn't bother me, but I I go back and forth with all three of them. I'm just like they're all studs. What do you want? Like I think Devontae Smith is a Marvin Harrison type, the explosive route runner, the change of speed and direction. Jamar Chase will manhandle like people try to press cover Jamar Chase and he just tosses them around and then catches the football on top of their head and moves on with his day. And then Waddle, I think, is the best chance to be a Tyreek Hill type. He's not as thick, so he wouldn't be as as explosive like after the catch. But he's the sort of guy that when you watch him, he just moves at a different speed than literally everyone else on the field. Um, it's February, so I'm a coward. And I don't have an order yet. I want all of them. And Kyle Pitts, you just double up on your cowardice and you say he's a tight end, not a receiver. So um, you will have your order within a round. Um, I would put Pitts, and I feel bad about it, but I would put Pitts behind the wide receivers just to cover my butt from a historical perspective of tight ends the NFL has done a worse job of finding them in the first and a better job of finding them later. And at receiver, it's the opposite. They do do a good job of finding them early. And it's not hard later, but it's harder than tight end. So I think I would just use the positions to sort of break that tie because it's just it's a bad history of picking tight ends that early. And I love Pitts. So if the Cowboys took him at 10, would I be excited and fired up for it? Yeah, actually, I would. I would like the pick. I'd be like, Shoot, yeah, you think he's the best player? But I would be wary because of the history of it and the positional value in the league. Dane, rebuttal? So you're saying if you list him as a receiver, he's a better chance of hitting? No, I'm saying no, no, no. I'm saying he's a tight end. I'm saying if I had to order those four guys, I would order Kyle Pitts fourth in my rankings just because he does play tight end and he doesn't play wide receiver. And the tight end history is much, much scarier than the wide receiver history when you're using a pick that high on that position. Uh, gotcha. So I would, You're not I'm ranking with the receivers. Yeah, I'm punishing gotcha. Pitts for being a tight end and putting him behind the top three receivers because he's a tight end. Gotcha. Yeah, and I mean, he, he is a tight end. He lines up in line. And even if he, he – he's a new age tight end, which, you know, he'll – uh, you know, look at Travis Kelsey and how the Chiefs use him. He's not, you know, he, a lot of times he's he's out wide. He's detached. So, you know, I, I don't think that, you know, he has to be a uh, guy that spends most of his time with his hand on the ground to be considered a tight end. That's just not how the NFL works. So he is absolutely a tight end. Um, I mean, my rebuttal to what you said about the weight, I mean, if you had two receivers that had the same exact speed, skill sets, everything, uh, height, but you know, one was 170 pounds, the other was 200 pounds. Which one are you taking? You're taking the 200-pounder. Why? I, I, well, I think that's unrealistic, though, I, to say that they're well, going to no, be the no. exact Why same player. Why is that unrealistic? 
I'm saying if they were, if there's a scenario where they're the same speed, same skill set, the same strengths, weaknesses, they're the exact same player, except one's 200 pounds, one's 170 pounds, which one are you taking? Theoretically, you are going to take the 200 pounder because there's just, you can, I, 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 you can cite the study, but I, I mean, just using common sense of, and how science works, having better bulk on your body, you're gonna have a better chance of, uh, you know, that, that's body armor. You're gonna have a better chance of staying healthy. I, I mean, that's just, I, I don't know. To me, that's common sense. But it, I, I think that's the problem. I think so many things we perceive as common sense aren't actually common sense. It's just our initial reaction. Like Kyler Murray is much less likely to get hurt than Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger has, quote, body armor. <clears throat> he gets hurt. Andrew Luck, Carson Wentz, the big guys, the, those are the guys that are getting destroyed. The little guys are getting hurt. They get hit a lot more. I mean, and I, I think part of they this They get hit is, more than Kyler? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Easily. And and how many, honestly, how many 170-pound receivers are there in the league? You know, like, I, I think the Not sample size. Well, that, that's what, like, the sample size isn't really there to, when you start comparing them to other. I mean, I don't know. I don't. Personally, I don't buy that for a second that, uh, you know, weight does not matter. That, uh, it, and part of it, part of it is, is, you know, there's a reason we don't see a lot of 175, 170 pound receivers in the league or just players in the league, period. And, you know, part of it is because, you know, it's just hard to make it at that size. Um, and so, I, I mean, the guys that do make it are, you know, tougher than heck. And that's part of it. So, I, and again, this is not to say I don't want this to you know listeners to come away from this to saying or thinking that I don't believe Dante Smith's an NFL player. I absolutely think he is. I would absolutely draft him in the top ten. But is there a little bit of concern there because of his of his size? Absolutely. I think I think you'd be crazy not to at least think about that. How his size might affect him at the next level. And you know, not just brushing it away and saying, "Oh, he'll be fine." He's he's just just as likely to get hurt as you know a guy that's 215 pounds or you know Calvin Johnson or any one of these guys. I do want to point out, Dane, that my actual argument would be technically that Calvin Johnson would be more likely to get hurt just by a little bit. But that's what evidence tells us at at every position, not just receiver. The heavier guys get hurt a little more. But that's just data. You don't get to throw away data. Why would you do that? I, again, you, I think it's I, – I, I, don't, I don't buy that for, for a second because, again, sample size matters here. Uh, you know, we're talking about how many receivers are there in the league, 170 pounds. I mean, you're talking about a handful. There's not many. And why are we talking about a handful? Because those guys don't make it. Yeah, but the, you can do the same thing with quarterback. How many sub-six-foot quarterbacks are there, and why didn't they make it? Because of opportunity, because people perceive them that way. And as you well, stop perceiving them that way and people get opportunities, you're assuming that's perceived. You're, you're, you're assuming that's perceived and it's not they just they couldn't make it because of the size. I mean, yeah, it, is there a stigma against shorter, smaller quarterbacks? Sure, absolutely, that's a thing. But to say that that's the reason and not that they couldn't stay healthy or you know they couldn't overcome the size... That's an assumption. And also, Jeff, you were talking about throwing away data. Isn't throwing away data exactly what you're doing when you're talking about a 200-pound receiver versus a 175-pound receiver? How? You're throwing out the weight, which has been a piece of data that teams have relied on and scouts and, and front offices have relied on for the past however hundred years or so whenever it comes to evaluating prospects and sure yeah there's data outside of that that kind of puts some context to it but ultimately 
the, the weight is a piece of data as well, and you can't necessarily not take that into context whenever you're looking at prospects. I don't. I guess I don't understand what you mean. Like, yes, they weigh a certain amount, but what am I throwing out? I'm telling you what that amount means relative to saying, positions and getting hurt. You're just saying it. You don't think it matters as much as it should. Ultimately, I, uh, I don't. No, I don't think. Let me. I'll be very clear. Okay. I don't think your weight matters at all. Oh, okay. See, that's at what all, you're saying. Except for in the way that it affects your play on the field. Like, in terms of he's going to get hurt because he's small, that's factually inaccurate. So that I don't believe in any way. I'm not scared off by your weight unless your weight means you can't get off the line of scrimmage, you get bullied, you get thrown off the sideline. If your weight affects you on your tape, then sure, we can talk about, well, he's just not heavy enough. Like, he's getting moved around, he's getting punked. That's one thing. But in terms of he's going to get hurt because he's small, it's just it's not factually accurate, so I can't go there. Again, I don't think it's factually accurate because a lot of those guys don't make it to the NFL because they it's just hard for those guys. It's harder. And so, you know, you can say that the guys that are 170 pounds that have made it to the NFL have stayed healthy. That's great. But what about all the 170 pounders that didn't make it that far? I mean, I think that you have to... Uh, you know, think about that as well. So uh, this, I, I don't buy for a second that this is a factually, uh, that's a factual take. It's, this is it's pure, pure opinion, and, you know, we have different opinions on that. I'm interested to hear what KT has to think on this one as well. Are you leaning toward a side? Because I think if I'm leaning toward a side, I want to lean toward the percentages that really where the weight lies, and I think that's mostly toward the the bigger players, or at least the the ones that Dane's kind of talking about. But KT, are you leaning either way? Well, real quick, notable light players, just for the fun of it. Uh, Hollywood Brown, 166, but also Snoop Menace, 171. Let's go. Yeah, we can, ha- we, can, we, can, we can handpick these guys and, it, and have a lot of fun with it. But uh, I, what I would say is, and I, don't, I, I think I'm more of a peacemaker type of guy. I don't think I'm supporting anyone's argument here. One thing that I see, and this is one reason I have Devontae Smith a little higher, and again, I think we all love these three guys. I have Devontae Smith a little higher. Devontae Smith, you see him a little more going over the middle and doing the dirty work. And, you know, Waddle might have gotten a little more of those opportunities if he had gotten to play because he had gotten hurt. And obviously last year, Ruggs and Judy were getting a lot of the volume. But seeing Devontae Smith go over the middle and move the chains and things like that, that makes me go, okay, he can do this. And I really like that. I like I like the toughness there. That's a, that's one of the, the big aspects that I had on his, one of the notes I put on here. Is I think he's tough, um, along with the long arms. But, you know, look, he's 172. Waddle's 182. I'm going to pretend they're both 177. Um, I like Jamar Chase a lot. Let's, let's just have fun. But here's the thing. Dane, you have top three. I cut it off because um, I'm going to use the C word that Jeff used earlier, coward. I wanted to put Kadarius Toney in the first round. He's my wide receiver four. I think he was your wide receiver four as well. I wanted to put him in the first round, and then, and maybe I'm a jerk for this, and then the first day of Senior Bowl, he goes out and his head's in the clouds and he drops the ball about 90 times. And then I went, nope, I can't do it. I can't do it, and I'm a terrible person for that, and I'll admit that. <laughs> but he's my top wide receiver in the second round at wide receiver four. But I just I, – I love the players so much, but 
but I was so annoyed by that. The wide open drops. I was pretty annoyed by that. He's he's got a lot of focus. He, he wants to make a play. He's so eager to make a play that he will uh, start to make his moves before he secures the catch. There's no no doubt. That's that's part of what he needs to clean up. But yeah, I mean, he's he's a human joystick. I mean, he's he, he's crazy. Some of these movements that he can make, um, uh, the elusiveness. Uh, he he makes the most athletic defenders look awkward in their pursuit, and it's just really really unique. So. Um, now he, he's he, he's got some character stuff too that teams are uh, you know on the fence about. So you know the interview process is going to be big for him, uh, but you know he's going to be somewhere in that late one, early two mix. Uh, he could be an interesting interesting chess piece for a team that's looking for a versatile receiver that can uh, be a creative igniter. Couple other of these these sl- smaller slot guys, or I guess they could play in the slot that are in this draft class that to keep an eye on. I mean, we talked about Devonte Smith, but uh, you also have Rondell Moore out of Purdue, Jalen Darden, who of course I'm really high on out of North Texas. But yes, there's a North Texas connection there. Uh, you go further down the list, Tutu Atwell from Louisville. I mean, he's 165 pounds, 5'9". So, I mean, there are guys like this all over the draft board, and there are in any draft. And like Dane said, it's a little bit harder for some of these guys to make it a longer career or at least a notable career uh, in the NFL a little bit more so than others. So we'll keep an eye on some of those guys as we continue to break down these wide receivers. But when we come back here on the draft show, we've got some Twitter on the 20 questions that we have to hit up. The first one we're going to hit, does the play of Connor McGovern and Tyler Biotish turn the Cowboys away from drafting an interior offensive line when we would discuss it next here on the draft show? Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears. Okay. Let's play. Ah, uh, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Hey, Cowboys fans, if you're thinking about attending a game this season, visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. Stay at the team hotel, have dinner with a Cowboys legend, and experience AT&T Stadium's exclusive VIP Owners Club. Also, tour the star, get autographs from your favorite players, and talk X's and O's with me, Mickey Spagnola. The official travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys will take care of all your travel needs. Visit CowboysTravel.com. There's nothing as unique as our eyes which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. 
is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Welcome back to the Draft Show, DallasCowboys.com, presented by Miller Lite as always. It's time now to go into some Twitter on the 20. I see Chris Beam has gotten up from his chair, so we're going to go ahead and push on through to Twitter on the 20. There are plenty of questions to get to. Oh, there it is. Hey. It was in there. Uh, it was there in a in a delay, but it was there. Chris Beam, as always, killed. Kyle was muted. Uh, so now that we've gotten into Twitter on the twenty, we've had it all taken care of. We've got one question. This is from our guy Max. He said, "Does the way that Connor McGovern and Tyler Biotish played last season steer you away from drafting an interior offensive lineman?" Haven't heard much on the evaluation on McGovern's play. We'll start things off with Jeff on this one. Uh, I thought McGovern, when he played, was solid, especially for a rookie. And I thought Biotish was kind of the same thing, where if you told me that one of one or both of those guys had to start for your team next year, I'd say, okay, that's, that's, that's all right. That's not bad. Um, so I don't think it's a priority by any means, especially because you also have Connor Williams and Zach Martin. So I, I think you're okay there. But it's a lot like um, Donovan Wilson, right? Everybody loves Donovan Wilson. He's, he played well. He forced turnovers. If you had a chance and your best player available was a, a box safety who you thought could force turnovers and be a great tackler, let's say you were going to play JOK from Notre Dame there, um, upgrade it. Like just because something's okay doesn't mean that I'm not going to upgrade it. So if you have the right opportunity, sure, try to upgrade that. But um, I, I don't think it's a need. If you had a best available player that you felt great about, you have a second round grade sitting there in the fourth that plays guard. Uh, I don't mind picking him. But no, I don't think it's I don't think it's a priority. I don't think it's a need. KP. Yeah, I would say same thing. I I, I don't. I, I, to me, I think you could get through. Now, we'll see what they do. I would assume Joe Looney's not back again. Um, but, you know, maybe they do fork over a little bit of money for him. It wouldn't cost much. So, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't – to me, it's like a day three type of thing. Um, and maybe there's someone you like. But I'm looking for more depth. And quite frankly, I'm more worried about the tackle position than I am the interior offensive line position. I mean, McGovern needs to play. Connor Williams needs to play. Those guys need to be your right and left guards. Uh, Biotish needs to be your center, Wait, and that needs Zach to be Martin? good enough. Zach Martin, right guard. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. God, what am I thinking? Was I thinking about <laughs> moving Zach Martin? I was thinking about moving Zach what Martin happened? to tackle. Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, I think I'm assuming I think I'm assuming Tyron's not going to be there, and I'm already moving people. Wow, 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 wow. It happens. I had a brain fart. Yeah. So guess what? I'm not drafting an offensive lineman unless I have to. Dang. Uh, you know, this offensive line group is uh, it's a pretty pretty deep group. And so, I mean, I think you keep your options open. Uh, you know, football, it's a game of attrition, and you just don't know when those needs are going to be there. So, um, you know, if the it's – I just hope they keep their their open their mind open to uh, if one of these guys would fall if you know they they really like a, a Robert Hainsey from Notre Dame you know a guy who played right tackle uh, in college uh, for the Irish but he projects at guard or center uh, you know if if you're sitting there in the fourth round and he's there I, I'd love to see a pick like that um, so you know I, I think that when 
you look at this class and the, some of the guards or tackles that could be available early day three, some of them uh, you can make an easy case for. It's funny because you look at the, the offensive line, and of course the tackle spot is ultimately the biggest worry, like KT was saying, but I don't think you could necessarily rule out the interior as a big worry as well because you said, uh, and KT, you said assuming Joe Looney comes back, I don't think that needs to be an assumption. I think there's a, a very high chance that he ends up coming back. Uh, I don't know if I'm not making a prediction that he does, but I think it's probably a more than 50-50 shot that he is back in a Cowboys uniform just because of how cheap he may be and because of where the money is going to be allocated to try and get these guys on the roster. So sticking with some of those guys who played in the past may be there as well. Not saying he's going to be a starter either because, once again, Tyler Biotish and Connor McGovern need that playing time, but it's still something you need to look at. But it, I don't think it is a need whenever it comes to interior offensive line, but it's something that you need to look for at least because if you're in the second or third day of this draft, then all of a sudden you look around and there's a really, really good interior offensive lineman that you have high on your board. I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys pick it just to have some of that depth available uh, at some point down the line. Next question comes from Jeremy. And it's kind of along the same lines, but not necessarily uh, specific to the offensive line. He said, what position groups might be better suited to be addressed in Cowboys free agency rather than the draft, whether this is because of a lack of talent, depth in the draft, or particularly strong at a free agent class? KT, what you got on that one? Well, yeah, I mean, if Joe Looney wants to sign for like $2 million, I guess I guess we could do that. Kind of on the Figure same out, topic. Right? Uh, oh, can I throw a name out there real quick, too? Dane, what do you think about Royce Newman uh, from Ole Miss? Because he can play pretty much everywhere on the offensive line. And I'm more interested in guys like that, to be honest. Yeah, and that's, that's his value is the versatility because he can play. Uh, he's got four-position versatility. So that's, that's the appeal of the guy like that. And, and, and that's what I'm talking about when you, you know, early day three because that's when Royce Newman's going to go, uh, a couple of these other guys. Uh, but, you know, this is, it's – it's always interesting when you have uh, free agency before the draft, um, you know, and you try to piece together what you want to do in free agency, but then also have your eye on the draft in terms of which positions uh, are stronger. Where do you have a better chance of finding uh, or answering a need? Um, you know, I, I think in a perfect world, you fill all of your needs in free agency, or at least you know patch the holes, and that way you have freedom to kind of do what you want in, on draft weekend. Uh, so, you know, I, I, that's what, I think that's what a lot of the smart teams do. And, you know, I know it's not that easy when there's uh, a cap involved, but if somehow they can find a way to patch their holes on the roster so they can enter the draft with, uh, you know, the freedom to let the board fall to them, I, that, that's the best way to attack it. Jeff? And safety might line up as the position that has the most um, – starting quality guys where you could do that because I agree with Dane like the Cowboys what they need to do is they need to sign a corner they need to sign a safety they need to sign a defensive tackle they need to do all that before the draft so that you're not pigeonholed into picking something um, and that's actually also my problem with trying to get a linebacker on this team early in the draft because I think you want to try to fill holes before the draft not create holes where then you're forced to do something and I think that's what they'd have to do if they moved on from a certain player who I'd be fine with them moving on from but still why are you just creating holes for no reason 
Um, so, yeah, I think safety may be the one that's most likely because there's a lot of names out there that are starting caliber guys that you could um, sign in free agency and kind of not have that need. But you don't want to stop from finding long-term cheap solutions in the draft. So your job is to sign a safety, a corner, a D-tackle, and, and get ready to draft. But if they wanted to spend big on one to where you'd go, all right, scratch that off the need list, I think it would potentially be free safety. I think that's uh, that's where I was thinking, too. I think free safety is something that you can potentially look at. But there's also a lot of free safeties, I think, in this draft that are better than what the Cowboys have had in the past. So either way, there's a good chance to upgrade that position this year, even if it is a second- or third-round prospect, if the Cowboys want to draft that high and use that kind of capital on a safety. That's still yet to be seen either. This is from Sebastian. He says, Dallas desperately needs to add speed on defense. We've talked about that on this show previously. Who are some of the more solid and speedy prospects that Dallas could target in the middle rounds at both linebacker and then, of course, defensive back in the secondary there, Dane? So you say we're looking for speed? Speed. Uh, If that's our focus, it's just speed. Okay, let's look at corner. Um, uh, Robert Rochelle from Central Arkansas. Uh, he's one of the, the fastest players in this draft. He, he's going to be somewhere uh, third or fourth round. I think uh, if you're looking for pure speed, that makes sense. Um, maybe later on in the draft, Kerry Vincent, a corner out of LSU, uh, big-time track guy, uh, high school and college. Uh, he's a – I graded him as a backup nickel. Um, but, you know, I, I think that he is still a draftable player. Uh, then we look at linebacker. Uh, if we're looking at speed at linebacker, uh, Cameron McGrone out of Michigan. Uh, he's There's some medical stuff that teams need to figure out. But, again, if we're just focusing on speed, fourth or fifth round, uh, McGrone can fly. He's a little lighter than you want at the linebacker position, but he can absolutely move. So, uh, based off of just speed, those are three names in the day three territory that would make some sense. Jeff, do you have any guys that you've been looking at? Did this need to be day three? Was that the rule? Uh, it's He asked day two, day three, but we could do any of them. I'm okay with anybody. Well, here. day two, I think if you're looking for speed, you can also talk about the both the Georgia corners. Both of them mm-hmm. can absolutely run. They're both state champion 100 and 200 meter guys. Uh, so Eric Stokes, Tyson Campbell, um, linebacker I would throw in. I don't have an estimated 40 time, but just watching him run, I would throw in Baron Browning, Ohio State, as a second or third round guy. I think he can really scoot. So those are guys top of my head that are second, third-ish uh, round guys that can move. Says here that uh, Baron Browning four five six potential forty is what I'm looking at right here. So I mean, pretty decently quick for a linebacker, I guess, right up in that that realm. KT, any guys that stick out? I don't know if he's a pure speed guy, but I know he can run and his play speed's okay. It's Jabril Cox, uh, the LSU linebacker. Uh, I like him a little bit. Um, I mean, look, the answer is uh, Jeremiah Wosu Koromoa. <laughs> That's fast. And that's what we want. You know, that's kind of what we're run. talking about. So, I mean, that, there's your answer. Um, but Michael okay. Parsons is fast, KT. Yeah, he is, right? That's good. Yep. Someone else can have him. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready, buddy. He's my prediction. Get ready. Yeah. Oh, you may be goodness. right. He's yeah. my prediction. 
I uh, another another corner who can flat out run. Uh, Benjamin St. Juice at uh, Minnesota. Uh, yeah. He's six three, and he's going to run really well. So I don't. I, I question his instincts. I question. Uh, he's got a little bit of body stiffness. Uh, he'll. He'll he'll give up separation, but if you just ask him to, hey, that guy, go cover him, he can do it because he can open up and run. So St. Juice is an interesting name on day three. That's another good one. I like that name a lot. Jason Pruitt has two Dane Brugler specials on this one. How about this? So the first one is, are there any senior FCS prospects who could go from playing a strong spring season and be drafted in April We'll start with that one. Well, yeah, and it's such it's an interesting dynamic this year uh, because we have, well, first of all, a spring season for college teams uh, at the FCS level, which is obviously not the norm. Um, and they're also the opportunity for some of these players, if they want to, bolt after the year. Or for some of these guys, you know, towards the end, of the, you know, the towards the end of the year, if they want to bolt and enter the draft. They're able to do that. Um, I, you know, I, I think that the one name that comes to mind immediately is the North Carolina A&T running back, uh, Jermaine Martin. Uh, he, he made a big announcement when he said he was going to play in the spring, so I, it wouldn't surprise me if he still decides to go go pro. We'll see. Um, he's 5'10", 2'10", uh, around there. Good speed. Uh, he can make guys miss in the hole. Uh, I think he is a draftable player if he does declare. So uh, Martin would definitely be a name to keep an eye on. Tariq Cohen turned that place into a factory, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, this kid—he's a Coastal Carolina transfer. Got into got into some trouble there, so he transferred down and kind of reinvented himself. So he, he's a good player. Uh, the second part of this question was: Who are the high floor, high ceiling? wide receiver prospects outside of his top 20 who we aren't talking about just yet okay uh high that's a, you're asking a lot for if you want a, a high floor and a high ceiling and you want it in the fourth and the fifth round 20? yeah exactly right that's the, as high of a floor as you can potentially well, are, are you are you asking for like two like a high floor player and a high ceiling player or Do it a that guy way, that because otherwise it's yeah. unfair there's no one yeah there's not yeah there's not a, a thing yeah i would probably split them up I mean, like a high ceiling guy that is like a day three player that maybe doesn't get a lot of love. Tamarion Terry from Florida State. Yeah. Um, mm. I mean, 6'4", 210. Uh, you watch some of his tape, and it's just like, oh, wow, this He's guy fun. is a top 50 guy. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on there. He's he's not consistent at all. Um, off the field, he's got some stuff to clean up. So, you know, I don't he, – he's a tough guy to project, but – in terms of ceiling, yeah, the ceiling's absolutely there. Um, a high he was a floor. 2020 opt out, right? He played part of the year and then he opted out towards the end of the year. Okay. Um, what high? Go ahead, KT. Well, is it, can I throw two names out there that were not yeah, in your top you 20? And maybe I'm just saying that because they're two guys that I've watched. Um, Marquez Stevenson, Houston, yeah. just a speed guy, but you know he he's a fly. pure body catcher, but he can fly. And then another guy who can fly is uh, Auburn, uh, Anthony Schwartz. Anthony Schwartz, yeah. I, I struggled so much with him because he, uh, yeah. he he might be the fastest human uh, like in this country. Like he, he is that type <laughs> of speed. Um, you know, he, he he is that that fast. He's a big time track guy. Um, he, he he set all types of records in high school and 100 meters. But he has just he has he has no instincts on the football field, and it's just a lot of all or nothing plays on his tape. 
Like, you know, he had like 117 catches, I want to say, in three years at Auburn. Out of those 117, only 9.6% went over 25 yards. So, you know, for a guy whose specialty is speed, you know, not hands, he'll have a lot of drops. Um, for a, a guy that's it's all about speed, there just weren't many big plays on his tape. So, you know, part of that is the, the passing offense and the quarterback play and, you know, just the way Auburn did things. But I, I really struggled with him because he's just not an instinctive player uh, yet. Now, can he get there? Can he, you know, be type some type of home run threat? Maybe because, again, he's – the speed is ridiculous, but where you draft a guy like that, I don't know. I mean, I, he he just missed the cut for me. Uh, you know, I when I cut it off, the guys that just missed my top 20 were Frank Darby out of Arizona State, Schwartz out of Auburn, Cornell Powell, Clemson, Stevenson, Houston. So uh, those types of guys. Um, oh, I wanted to answer these, uh, the other question, the high floor player. Um, I, I think a high floor day three guy, Trevon Grimes out of Florida. Um, ah. You know, not a great separator, but, uh, you know, a guy that can go up, snare the football, and, you know, just he's going to be a really solid, you know, fourth or fifth receiver, and then it wouldn't surprise me at all if he ends up being, uh, you know, getting some starting reps and getting more playing time. He just He's a high-floor guy. Was he a guy at the Senior Bowl that kind of stuck out to you as that, that solid high-floor type of prospect? Yeah, yeah. Him and another guy that did is Des Fitzpatrick out of Louisville. You know, we talked a lot about Tutu Atwell, uh, his teammate, who another one of those guys who's tiny, but he can he can really run. Des Fitzpatrick, he might not be elite in anything, but he's pretty good across the board. Like, it's just hard to find weaknesses in his game. So, Des Fitzpatrick's a good player who uh, not going to get drafted probably until day three, but I think he's a high-floor player. Okay, real quick, I wanted to weigh in on this Schwartz thing again um, because there's a play in a game, and granted, Bo Nix is not like the greatest distributor of the football, and I'm not crazy about either of the Auburn wide receivers, but there's a play in a game where he's running a wheel route, and it's clearly like a design play where he's the number one option. It's very clear. And the ball is thrown to his inside shoulder, and he's looking out of bounds towards the sideline. And I was like, dude, what are you looking at, man? It's like you thought the football was going to be – over here at the water cooler? Like, dude, the guy, like, and it wasn't like a great throw by Bo Nix. Not many are. But, like, the ball was thrown, like, he was trying to hit him on his inside shoulder, and he's looking out towards the sideline. It was amazing. I was just like, what's he doing? Did you ever uh, figure out what he was looking at? I never found out. Like, maybe was Lee Corso. Corso? Corso Might have been Lee there? Corso. Yeah. yeah. Mm. That's interesting. Uh, hey, I mean, it happens sometimes. Lee Corso's a legend for a reason. How about that? Mm. Uh, let's go ahead and take our second break. When we come back, I want to talk about some defensive line guys and maybe get some thoughts on Jeff's hate for Gregory Rousseau and maybe some of these other guys that we've had some trouble with on the defensive line. When we return here on the Draft Show, presented by Miller Lite. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer, brewed with great taste and only 96 calories, available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys, and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. 
Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com slash cowboys. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Back here for the final segment of the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show, presented by Miller Lite, Kyle Yeomans, Kevin KT Turner, Dane Brugler, and the great Mr. Captain Trade Down, Jeff Cavanaugh, as always. And Captain Trade Down, you, you, you know, Jeff, you, you did put that in our WebEx that we're using to communicate virtually at the moment. Is uh -huh. Is Captain Trade Down writing again? Because I haven't gotten an update over the last couple weeks. Oh, I think he consistently is trying to get on the horse. Mm -hmm. um, but I got to tell you, he has second and third thoughts all the time because some people hate draft simulators. Like, my buddy Vach absolutely despises draft simulators. Mm -hmm. I have done probably 600,000 draft simulations for this year on my YouTube page. So, like... I will. I love trading down until you trade down, and all the guys you thought you were trading down for are gone. And then Captain Trade Down is an idiot. So, yeah. am I Captain Trade Down? Yes, to all the way to like fifteen, and that's about as far as I want to go. Because <laughs> then yeah. J.C. Horn's gone, and somebody takes Barmore, and you're like, okay, mm -hmm. so now the corners are gone, Barmore's gone, Slater and Sewell are gone, and you're going, what in the hell did I trade down for? So Captain Trade Down does live, but he lives very tepidly. Do you still have Gregory Rousseau sitting there for you? Yeah. Screw up my thing. I would take Gregory Rousseau right there at the top of the fourth round. Okay, top of the fourth round. Interesting. For Gregory Rousseau's a bad player. Okay, I, I, and I know we've talked about this before, but we talked about it with Bucky Brooks the other day, and I want to get you and Bucky on the same show at some point, and then we can really get into this, but you have strong thoughts about Gregory Rousseau, but I want to kind of take it generally into the defensive line, because it's not a strong defensive tackle class. If Christian Barmore is not there, should you have trade back if you're the Dallas Cowboys, then all of a sudden you're kind of dry from a defensive line standpoint, but... Is there anybody else that gets you excited, or is everybody kind of overhyped? Is that why Gregory Rousseau's in that conversation? I don't honest. I mean, I'm I'm being completely honest here. I don't know why he would be in the conversation. There's nothing I've seen from him that puts him in a conversation in the first round. So I don't know. Like I get it if you want to talk about 
Aziz Ajaleri. I get it if you want to talk about Jalen Phillips or Quiddy Pay. I get it if you want to talk about Carlos Basham. Um, I like Peyton Turner at Houston and Joseph Osai and Ronnie Perkins. I like a lot of people before I get to Gregory Rousseau, so I don't know what puts him in the conversation other than he's tall and long. Dane, what puts him in the conversation? I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with what a lot of Jeff is saying because I'm not. I don't love Gregory Rousseau. Um, mm-hmm. I am intrigued by him as a prospect, but I do not like him as a player right now. Maybe I'll phrase it that way. Um, you know, he's he's a faith-based projection. That's what he is. Uh, he's still very much learning how to play the position, um, how to make it impact impact from snap to snap. His I like his instincts. I think he has some natural instincts to him. And I, I like his traits. He's long. He's got a frame that you can mold, and you know he's a he has some athleticism to him. So uh, you know, can he evolve into a stylistically speaking a Chandler Jones type? You know, just not Chandler Jones, but that style of rusher. Can he evolve into that in a couple of years? Yeah, I think that's that, I think that's possible. But again, that's a faith-based projection. You are banking on a guy that hasn't necessarily shown a lot of what you're hoping to see. He hasn't shown it up to this point, so he needs to work on it. So, um, you know, it's it's tough. Uh, here, Jeff, let me throw this at you. It, who would you rather have, Jason Owe, who is a you know verified freak, but yep. zero sacks last year, or Gregory Rousseau, who had all the production in the world? Uh, the last time he was on the field, but you know, obviously, still figuring out how to play the position, and you know, there's a lot of a lot of projection involved. So, which which one of those two players would you be more confident about hitting at the next level? I think I would take Oway, which is wild. I would take the zero sack guy over the fifteen and a half sack guy, mm-hmm. because I think to me his awesome, awesome athleticism is what I would want to give to my coaching staff as opposed to Rousseau's body, right? Because that's what we're comparing, is athleticism versus body type. Sure. Um, I I would go Oway. No, I would too. I, have, I mean, I, I, I have Oway ranked higher than Rousseau, just so I, I agree. I have Oway three spots higher than Rousseau at the moment as well, but... I mean, there are a lot of guys in that conversation, but is it really – and KT, I want your, your thought on this as well, but is there not a – not even a home run? I know there's no home run. There's no Chase Young in this draft, but where does this draft of edge rushers and even defensive tackles rank compared to classes in the past? Because the more I go down the list, the more I don't like it compared to maybe even the classes of 2020, 2019, and so on and so forth. Yeah, no, it's, it's just kind of identify those drafts where a Miles Garrett and a Chase Young and a Bosa brother didn't go in the top few picks. Like, I remember, and I, it's this is tough because I don't have the years. It's going to be tough for me, but I remember uh, the Derek Barnett year, and there might have been someone great that went ahead of him. But Derek Barnett and people were talking about him a Miles lot. Miles Garrett and, was in that draft. Yeah, so yeah. Miles Garrett was the first. But Derek Barnett was there, and I was going, I'm not sure why everyone likes Derek Barnett as the second defensive end in the draft. And I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't love Derek Barnett and what he went 14 or 15 or 17 or whatever, kind of in that mix. I, I used to have a photographic memory, Kyle, but I'm old now. Uh, it's <laughs> once you cross that threshold of 30, the sharpness goes away. So, like to me, I, I mean, like we've, we've seen, away. 
we've seen drafts like that, and that's where I think it's more important to figure out guys that maybe you're unsure of. Like, for instance, I've got a guy who I like a little bit. I think he's potentially a top 100 guy, but every time I go back and watch him, I still end up with the hands-up, shoulder-shrug emoji. Uh, it's Washington's Joe Tryon. I mean, he is a guy who's been very difficult for me because I don't fully know what he is, but I like his body. Uh, I like his effort. I like a lot of his tape. I'm trying think he, to like him. I'm trying hard to like him, Jeff. I'm trying hard. <laughs> I think he can set the edge sometimes, you know? Like, I, 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 think, I think he's not a, a super bendy guy. There are times when he drives me insane because he will beat the offensive tackle, but instead of turning bending that thing off, he is flying 10 yards up the field. Like, dude, the quarterback's not going to drop back 15 yards. As Jeff said, with the pun of the day, brought to you by Miller Lite. I'm trying to like him, <laughs> but I, I don't know. So if you guys have seen him, let me know. Yeah, I, I, I do like Joe Tryon. He's been a top 50 guy for me since the summer. Um, and I don't I don't know that I love him as like a top 25, top 30 guy, but I like him somewhere in that 30 to 50 range. Um, you know, he's just a, he's a little bit of work in progress. There's no doubt. But I, I think he has the tools where, he, you know, it, it just you streamline those pass rush skills a little bit, get him some more, uh, some more coaching. And, you know, he, he reminds me a lot of is Marcus... UTSA. Turner as yeah. the eight, the eighth pass rusher in this draft. I mean, that's that's pretty good. If you can get yeah. Ronnie Perkins as the the ninth or tenth guy drafted, that, that's great. Even into day three, when you've got uh, guys like you know Quincy Roche, like Quincy Roche is a guy that you know I saw popping up in first round mocks. I'm like, I just don't see it. But you know that's because you know the NFL sees him more as a third or fourth rounder, not a first rounder. So if I can get him early in the fourth, then awesome. Chauncey Golston from Iowa. I, he, he might not be one of the top 15 or 17. He may not be a pass rusher, but he's a good player. <laughs> he's there. He, he can be disruptive. I mean, hey, when you have that length, I, I mean, you can, you're going to be part of a rotation in the NFL for a long time. So, uh, again, I think within context, this pass rush class has a lot to offer. You're not going to find a Miles Garrett in this group. But if you're looking for some quality players that are going to carve out you know, careers in this league, I, this this group has uh, has some guys. Really quickly before we kind of wrap things up here, you mentioned Quincy Roche. You said fourth round. Did I hear that right? Yeah. Well, I think with he the way he helped himself the Senior Bowl, I think he has a good chance to go top one hundred now. But okay, I mean, he, he people tried saying he was like a first round pick like in the fall, and it just that was never the case. Never, uh, never. He, I grade it personally, just me, and I know this how a lot of people around the league graded him. Uh, as a fourth-round pick, and then with the way he played at the Senior Bowl, uh, you know, I give him a little bit more of a of a bump based off of how we played. 
Um, but you know, he's a. He, I think he's a borderline top 100 guy. So maybe late third, early fourth. Mm-hmm. I had him as a late second, early third. So I mean, I might be wrong on that one, but I I think he did help because uh, I had him a little bit higher than what you had him prior to the Senior Bowl, and then the Senior Bowl elevated him a little bit more than that because I thought he had a good week down in Mobile. Any other guys we want to talk about before we wrap things up in terms of these pass rushers, KT? Oh, I want to throw the ball to Jeff. Jeff's a Marlin guy. I want Jeff to talk about his guy, Marlin. Oh, that's not a pass rusher, though. That's my defense. That's my defensive tackle. You mean well, the better, the better USC defensive tackle out of the two? Yeah. We're talking yeah. D lineman today, right? We're yeah. good. I agree. He's, I agree. He's better. I mean, he, he is, he's a top, top fifty player in this draft. Is that how you say okay, it? Okay. Like Marlon Tuolupotu. <laughs> I doubt that's it. Tuolupotu. Hui Tulopu. Oh, I don't yeah. even know. I'm all over the place. Chui Tell me about him, Jeff. Uh, he's 305 pounds, and one of the things I really like with my defensive tackles is I like the guys who make you type the words violent hands, and I think that that's him. I think even though he's 305 pounds, that he's one of those guys that will manhandle some single blockers. He's just so hard to sustain a block on. He's active. Um, I think he is better suited to help an NFL team than at least when I was starting to do the work. I feel like his teammate, Jay Tufele, who opted out this year, was the more talked about D-tackle. They have the same build, but Marlon T, uh, to me, is just a more consistent, more powerful, more heavy-handed guy that I think is totally worth, to me, like a third-round pick and stick him in the middle of your defense and have some fun. Sounds like fun to me. I mean, any of those guys that could potentially come in and and sure up the run game, sure up the defense. The Cowboys need a one technique, probably more so than they need a three technique because you have like four of them on the roster already. So let's go find a one technique, maybe some pass rush depth at the edge spot too, and then let's figure it out defensively. But that's going to do it for us here on the Draft Show. Make sure and tune in next Thursday, 10 a.m. Central Time with these guys back in action. And then also Tuesday at 10 a.m., Bucky Brooks, Brian Broaddus, and the great David Hellman joining us on Tuesdays. But for now, it's that's it for us. Chris Bean back in studio for Kevin KT Turner, Jeff Cavanaugh, Dane Brugler. I'm Kyle Yeomans. We'll see you next time on the Draft Show presented by Miller Lite. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!